Welcome back to our August installation of From Her Point of View. And we took the summer off. We are back uh, hitting hitting the road running with our August guest. And we have Stuart McMillan. Thanks, Welcome, Brooke. Stuart. I'm so glad you agreed to be here today. And first of all, most people in Tupelo probably know who you are. They've either met you or they know of you. So tell us a little bit about the different hats that you wear, because that's the exact verbiage that you used about a week ago when we <laughs> talked about this. So tell us a little bit about the different hats that you wear in the Tupelo community. Thanks, Brooke. So again, my name is Stuart McMillan. I work at the CREATE Foundation as the Toyota Wellspring slash CREATE Project Manager. Um, and I have the, the pleasure of being a Tupelo native, born and raised here. Um, I'm a product of the Tupelo Public School District um, and have worn different hats in terms of I worked previously at the Tupelo Public School District. Um, now with CREATE, I'm supporting related to education um, and the Toyota Wellspring Education Fund. And I also have the pleasure of really using my driving force to help support education and kids to serve on a variety of nonprofit boards um, across Northeast Mississippi. Um, so I serve on the United Way of Northeast Mississippi board and chair the Groundswell Young Leaders Committee. I serve on the Catch Kids board. I serve on the Association for Excellence in Education board um, and the Donovan Dance Project board, to name a couple of those that are all really focused on that education and kids focus and can you tell us so you're a product of the Tupelo public school system so tell us a little bit about your history not just as a student but when you worked there so if you want to start you know when you were a student what were you involved in what did you do in Tupelo that made you after moving off to college want to come back and work for the school district Tupelo is such a special community, in my opinion. I am from here. I'm a product. Originally, I went to elementary school at Church Street Elementary, um, which right now is kind of going under a renovation with the addition of the gardens and things out front. Um, you can still see in the school there is a, a tile wall that actually has um, a tile that I decorated when I was in elementary school there, funded through an Association for Excellence in Education project. So you see that full circle of going to school there, having opportunities provided by AEE, and now being able to serve on that board. But I think something that's really special about the Tupelo Public School District is how committed the community is to supporting the district and making sure all students have opportunities. When I worked at the district, I was the innovation program facilitator and had the pleasure of supporting the district of innovation process. And that, it was a true process where it started with how do we get feedback from all stakeholders to learn about what are the greatest needs of the district, then how do we identify programs or opportunities to address those needs, and how do we implement those and bring them to fruition? Um, and I'm really grateful TPSD received that status in March of 2020. We've implemented programs like the Middle College Program uh, in partnership with Itawamba Community College, the Project Search Program in partnership with North Mississippi Health Services, where students actually go to the hospital, are able to intern um, and really develop those job school skills, um, specifically for students who are special education students. Um, and then other programs like Project Lead the Way, which originally 
originally we started as a small pilot um, at the third through fifth grade schools and is now a specials curriculum um, with multiple opportunities across all of those third through fifth grade schools in the district. So it's been really special to see that. And I think that process highlights a lot of what we have going on here, which is a willingness to communicate, a willingness to chip in and support, um, and a strong commitment to finding ways to support our public schools, um, be that through nonprofit organizations, through parent-teacher organizations, um, through a wealth of opportunities in our area. Granted, we can always get better, and there's always needs that need to be met. So that's by no means to say we're perfect in any means. We always need to be continuously improving. Right. And you mentioned, you know, there are, of course, always going to be areas with public education, no matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in the, you know, most financially secure public school district in the state of Mississippi or the most financially insecure district. Um, So AEE is really the buffer zone between the school district's needs and wants and kind of finding that middle ground of maybe the things that the district can't provide, but that are their necessities, essentially. They might not be the core, they, you know, they could stray away and say that's not the core curriculum, but they are necessities. So what does AEE do to kind of fill in that gap for the school district? Great question, Brooke. So AEE is the Association for Excellence in Education. We are a special project of the CREATE Foundation. We're also a United Way agency. Um, And at AEE's core, it was founded in 1983 by individuals in this area that cared deeply about public education. And they were committed to doing exactly what you shared, to identifying needs and finding money to help support programs, initiatives, things that the school district might not have the funding to cover. Um, And that's gone through different evolutions. But right now, what that looks like is teachers submit grant applications that the board and community reviewers from across Tupelo review um, and then get funded to bolster and support the curriculum and work that's being done in the classroom. Um, And it's been really beautiful as someone who at the school district level, I help support the financial side of those. And then now working on the board and being able to see in action in the schools, these come to fruition. Um, And then as a parent, uh, I had a son at East CEC last year, and one of the grants was written by his teacher and some fellow teachers um, for a STEAM cart to be used across ECEC. So one, a group of teachers wrote this, but all 300 kids at the school get to benefit from that opportunity. Um, And I think it's really important in this day and age that we are deprioritizing how much we focus on a test and really prioritize how are we creating lifelong learners? How are we finding ways to authentically engage kids, to give them opportunities to be engineers and problem solvers and critical thinkers um, and to really get that hands-on experience? And then also, I know, Brooke, you and I are both really passionate about the arts. How do we make sure students have opportunities to utilize the arts in the classroom um, to integrate that both with curriculum and then to have those skills and soft skills they're able to develop in performing and teamwork and and being able to work towards a production um, in all of those beautiful ways um, that the arts really expand and enhance um, our, our environment growing up. 
Um, so AEE is really a gift to our community um, and a gift to the Tupelo Public School District. And it's a pleasure to support them now and to be able to see those grants in action. Um, and I hope that we as an organization can continue to grow, that we can continue to increase our fundraising, to increase the grants to the schools, um, to really enhance that experience because we all know COVID-19 impacted us in a lot of ways. Um, and, and part of that is we need to make sure we're better supporting our teachers and our public schools um, to make sure they know they're valued by our community. Right. And that's, you know, that's something that I think Tupelo often as a community doesn't realize that they they have it so good. And for lack of a better term, there are so many different opportunities within the school district to for your child to grow in many different ways. Arts, I mean, there's an orchestra, there's the marching band, there's show choir, there's the amazing theater program. And then you also have one thing that I've seen personally, uh, a program that has grown just in the time I've been here is the broadcast program at the high school. There are so many different ways for kids to get plugged in and find their niche and grow in that. And I think that oftentimes... Tupelo, the Tupelo community knows how wonderful their school district is, but in comparison to so many other areas of the state, we really have just the cream of the crop. And but there are still needs that aren't met, as there will be for to the end of time with public school education. Um, but switching gears a little bit and kind of staying in the same vein of the arts, which, like you said, we are both very passionate about. So we could probably talk about that for hours. But I wanted to talk about. Uh, one organization that you mentioned, Donovan Dance Project. Now, I have heard about the Donovan Dance Project, but I don't really know what it is. And I know there are probably listeners who don't know what that is either. So can you kind of give us a little summary of what that project is and what it does for the community? The Donovan Dance Project is the brainchild of Roxy Thomas Clayton. Um, and I have to, I can't, you can't separate the two. The The project and the organization are so integrally linked with Roxy and her vision. Um, and she is someone who, she's also born and raised here. She is a, a product of this community, a product of this arts community. Um, and she really believes truly that all should be able to have access to dance, regardless of your age, your background, your religious beliefs, whatever it might be that could divide us. She thinks dance and movement is for all. Um, so at its core, Donovan Dance is about providing modern dance opportunities to any and everyone in this community. Um, it was originally founded in 2014 as a special project of the Create Foundation. Since then, it has become its own standalone nonprofit. And what it has looked like has been priority primarily focused on summer opportunities for students. So capturing students when they're finished with school um, over the course of the summer from middle school to college age students, um, both male and female, although I'd be honest, there's been a a lot more of a female presence in the group, Um, but really having that opportunity to come together as a group to be able to do this project where they learn different movements, both ones that Roxy choreographed 
choreographs or others choreograph or the dancers come up with themselves. Um, and that at their heart of these pieces, there's an additional message. Um, so related to um, some of the pieces might be about self-exploration um, or might be about social issues. There's, there's always a core component to that movement that's really special. Um, and Donovan Dance Project, another reason most people might not know about it, especially if you're new to Tupelo, is it took a two-year hiatus in the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so just a couple weekends ago at the end of July was the first performance since 2019. Um, but it was really beautiful to see that come back and to see that opportunity for authentic modern dance here for all, um, to be able to see uh, one male dancer, to see um, a student host from Ukraine who participated. Um, so to kind of see that depth and breadth of, of individuals in our area who are committed to movement and to meeting each other and supporting each other. And I really appreciated about this performance that Roxy took the time after for a question and answer session so that the community members there could ask questions of the group to learn about different pieces, to learn about why they did this, um, to learn more about the organization. Um, so it was really special. And I hope in the future we can do that to raise additional awareness of what DDP really is. And dance is such a a huge part of, I think, a child's experience in Tupelo, uh, especially little girls growing up into young women. Um, not that boys and young men are not welcome because they are, but it is such a big uh, activity here in Tupelo. And there are different places for, you know, dancers to go and to learn. And I really appreciate that as a former dancer myself. Uh, I danced from the time I was four until I was on my college dance team. So all the way through. And it is so important because it does provide a different outlet that I think, you know, the public school, and this is everywhere, public schools often have a, oftentimes have a difficult time integrating dance into their arts education. And really the only time you'll see dance in public schools is if you have a dance team and show choir. Mm -hmm. And that kind of can alienate uh, certain groups of people because those activities can be expensive and it can also alienate you know young men uh, or boys who do want to participate as well so having something that kind of fills in that gap is really important and I know it's really important to Tupelo since dance and ballet in particular are such uh, heavy parts of activities for kids that are growing up from what I can tell and I'm very excited to see that so that when I have kids, I will make them also dance. Well, um, Brooke, I would mention, and I have to give credit to the Tupelo Public School District and specifically to Kit Stafford um, for advocating for more movement in the schools um, because they actually hired Roxy. Um, she is teaching dance at Tupelo Middle School this year. That's um, wonderful. And there's been a strong focus as well with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Mm -hmm. We're so blessed here to have that organization doing great work right. in our state and the fact that multiple of the schools are actually MAC schools. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that whole school status, they bring in teaching artists and residents. And there's been a focus on bringing in movement into the That's classroom wonderful. that way. Um, so again, long way to go. Completely agree, but also appreciate that there are some some bright spots related right. to that and those opportunities to make sure all kids, again, can, can have boys, the opportunity girls, to dance, et cetera, can dance. 
And growing up, um, I am a product, a very proud product of the Pedal School District in South Mississippi. And I do know at one point there was a dance class that was offered at the middle school and then it was eliminated, which is so often you see the arts go first. So that's really a wonderful uh, bright spot, like you said, that provides access to dance and other art forms for kids that they might they might not have the resources or the time to go and do these things outside of school, which is wonderful. Um, and then, so in addition to, to Donovan Dance Project and in addition to AEE, you also uh, help out with Catch Kids. So I don't know anything about Catch Kids. Um, and when you, I mean, I am relatively new to Tupelo. I've been here for three years, but the two of those years were the pandemic. So tell me a little bit about what Catch Kids does for the community as well, because there are so many wonderful organizations, but sometimes, you know, we have to kind of categorize in our brains what parts of the community are being served by each organization. Great question. So Catch Kids at its core was created in 1997, um, is really the brainchild of Dr. Ivancic um, and Valerie Long. Um, and it's really at its core, it CATCH is an acronym for Community Access to Child Health Care. It is a nonprofit organization that's a United Way agency, and the goal of the organization is to provide free health care to children from birth through age 18. Um, and CATCH Kids serves three counties, Lee County, Pontotoc, and Chickasaw, and has clinics in each of those counties, um, including in, in Lee County. Um, they also have a partnership with the Tupelo Public School District, where one of those clinics is at Milam. Um, so really about breaking down barriers, about making sure there's quality care. Um, and then really going back to your comment earlier about there's always additional needs and ways to identify that. Um, CATCH Kids originally was really focused on just health care um, and has kind of veered a little bit to also focus on dental care and making sure that students both have proactive awareness um, through different fairs, different resources, different screenings um, to make sure that they have quality dental care. Um, so all of those are kind of a component of what falls under Catch Kids. Um, and we're really grateful to have um, Carol Black, who's the executive director now of that organization, um, whose background is in dentistry. So she brings some of that component into this work. Um, but it is really important. I think people are very committed. We have such wonderful nonprofits in healthcare, but there was a little bit of a gap related to children. Um, and so Catch Kids came to fill that need. And it's, it's just really incredible to think about just in the time we've been talking about the different organizations you're involved with. There are so many more out there in this area that are serving just about every community you can imagine. And that's something that I've noticed is very unique to Tupelo in Northeast Mississippi. There are, this is a nonprofit hub. And it's not just to say we have all these organizations. There are people serving specific communities throughout the area and really tending to making sure that no need goes unmet, mm -hmm. uh, particularly for children, but for, for, you know, all people, all members of the community, which is another thing that I think that many people maybe not, maybe don't realize about the Tupelo area is how generous and how hospitable this community is. And I mean, there's really, you could throw a rock and you would hit a nonprofit organization that is helping not just a few people, but hundreds, mm -hmm. if not thousands of people. Um, but with that being said, is there anything that you can think of 
a need that that is in this community that maybe is not being met or that has uh, has volunteers and has people that are working on behalf of that need but it could be so much bigger it could have so much more attention to where the community could get more involved I definitely think there is an opportunity for increased partnerships and better awareness. So at the core of your question, I know that it's about needs. I think we have a plethora of nonprofits who are doing great work, but who could be stronger if they partnered with, joined, supported other organizations. Um, And I have to give credit um, to the Tupelo Lee Community Foundation, which is an affiliate of the Create Foundation. Um, They host an annual Night for a Hand Up event that at its core is a nonprofit fair. Um, Nonprofits are able to apply for grant funding through the March Banks Fund. Um, So they have an additional incentive. They get to raise awareness, share their platform, share information, and also are eligible to receive a $10,000, a $5,000, and a $2,500 grant um, based on an application about their programs and how they're meeting specific needs. Um, That Night for a Hand Up event has not taken place for two years because of COVID. It's been virtual with videos submitted by nonprofits, but it's coming back this year. Um, It'll be on Tuesday, October 18th at the Bancorp South Conference Center and Arena. And I just think that is a great opportunity for individuals, be that Tupelo young professionals, be that people who are new to the area, to really come out and see, hey, there are a lot of nonprofits here. And what does that look like for me? Am I interested in volunteering my time to support one of these organizations? Am I looking to find a way to give back financially to these organizations? Do I really want to be involved in helping set the the strategy, the mission, the focus? Do I want to be a board member on one of these organizations? Um, Because I think that's something... We in Tupelo pride ourselves on having this Tupelo spirit and on being committed to supporting our neighbor, to giving back. Um, But the Tupelo spirit is only as great as the community here. And as we bring people in, we want to incorporate them into that Tupelo spirit. It isn't just about, hey, I'm born and raised from Tupelo, and I know these leaders and individuals who've been so impactful Let's loop in the next round of leaders and and organizational heads and individuals who are wanting to give back. Um, So I think to go back to your original question, the needs that I see are really about developing better connections and incorporating people who are new to Tupelo and the Northeast Mississippi area into our community to learn about nonprofits doing great work, to be connected and to find ways to channel volunteers, board members, um, financial supporters um, to just increase and expand that impact. And that is a great, that is a great way, like you said, for people who are new to the community or who maybe have not had the opportunity to get out, get involved in the past few years to find a way to get involved because there are so many opportunities to serve the Tupelo Lee County, Northeast Mississippi corner of the state. And that's a great way to, if anything, just learn, learn more so that you can follow them on Instagram and Facebook and support them. And then that transitions into, okay, donating or volunteering or serving on the board. 
Uh, so once again, that is October the 18th. That's, that's a correct. Tuesday mm-hmm. at the Bancor South Arena. That is right. Awesome. So anybody that's that's wanting to get plugged in with helping our community, that's a great way to get started with it. So I'm going to transition to talk a little bit more about you as a person um, and your family. And you have two children. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about your family and what that means to you. And then I'm going to kind of ask you a tough question at the end of that. It's really not that tough. Uh, but I'm going to kind of ask you a question at the end of that that relates to women uh not just in north northeast mississippi but everywhere so tell us a little bit about who you are and who your family is that's very kind brooke well i am i guess first and foremost i am the granddaughter um of michael and Shuggy stewart uh hailing from cincinnati uh, glendale specifically and then henry and beth brevard um from shannon and amory respectively um so i i think i a lot of my identity is tied up in my grandparents generation and in seeing the way that my grandparents gave back in the places where they lived um and as well how much they cared deeply about their families and their faith. Um, And then I also, uh, the claim to fame, my parents are David and Sean Brevard, um, who have been a part of this community um, for a long time. My mom's a product of Cincinnati, so come, uh, one of those northerners come down, (laughs) and um, I just, I love to be able to see the connections, the relationships, the support, Um, and both my parents have led the way, in my opinion, in terms of leadership roles, nonprofit service, commitment to the schools. Um, I don't think there was a a PTO that they weren't on a leadership role in when I was growing up. Um, And my mom was on the Tupelo Public School District board um, when I was in high school. And that's one of the things that I'm most proud of, um, just her legacy of being connected to the schools um, and supporting public education in our area. Um, And then going to that next generation, um, I am the wife of Victor McMillan. I am so blessed to have a husband that is a support and balance to me. Um, If you've met my husband, he's the introvert to my extrovert, um, but he also cares deeply about this community. And you've been able to see that with last year, he participated in the Boys and Girls Club Dance Like the Stars event and really worked diligently to both learn about the Boys and Girls Club, to get connected to fundraise. Um, and it was pretty beautiful to see that. And then love seeing him dance. Um, didn't know he could do the Michael Jackson moonwalk. So that was pretty, pretty special. He was good. He was good. Thanks, Brooke. Um, <laughs> and I then now the two of us are blessed with Henry, who is five and is a kindergartner at Carver and Jack, who's two. Um, and I think for me, I've always loved Tupelo, but there's a special place to see Tupelo through the eyes of my boys um, and to be now a parent of the Tupelo Public School District who um, Henry was at ECEC last year and it was such a pleasure to be in that environment in that school regardless of it being closed originally because of COVID, um, but I just can't say enough nice things about having that quality early childhood option here Um, and then now moving forward to big school with kindergarten um, and being able to be in Carver and and knowing that that experience for students be that my child or a child who wasn't at ECEC but knowing between Carver, Joyner, Thomas Street, Parkway that there's just so many opportunities for students in this area to have a quality early childhood education. Um, So it's been 
I don't know. You'd say I've, I've, I'm stuck in concrete, um, literally. Uh, it's my family business uh, that my, great, my grandfather um, founded with his father-in-law. Um, so there's a lot of things that are keeping me grounded here in Tupelo. Um, but I think at the end of the day, for me, it's about living in a community where I can give back um, and where the reality is, I'll never be able to give back at the level that people have already invested in me um, and in my family and in this area. Um, so really proud. And I'll try not to cry. I'm like on the verge. <laughs> I got to stop talking about my grandfather or I will. Well, I will not make you talk more about your grandfather, even though he sounds like a really incredible person Thank and you. kind of the root to the tree, I guess, mm-hmm. for your family's uh, history in Tupelo. But the kind of hard question, it's really not that hard, but um, it is a it is a hard concept. How do you balance? And this is a question that will never go away. As much as we would like to completely normalize the fact that women can have children and families or not, and have a career or not. So, how do you balance your career, your job as a mom, a wife, and all the other things that you are doing for the Tupelo community? My husband is snickering as he's listening to this. I'm sure. Um, I I think it's really important at the end of the day to try and set boundaries um, and to try and set clear expectations. Um, And I think really at the end of the day, making sure that your family first and foremost is taken care of um, and that looks like if if things need to move or shift or timelines need to change to make sure that I can take care of my boys and that their needs are being met, that's really important to me. Um, I do think it also comes down to what you say yes to. Um, So I kind of use my North Star is education or kids. Um, And if it's not something connected to those, it's pretty easy for me to say no. Um, And then also thinking about how you balance priorities at different periods of time. Um, So I think one of the things I'm a little glutton for punishment about right now is I'm in a good number of leadership roles. And I think I've learned in this, I care deeply about these organizations, but I need to figure out ways to not be in a leadership role in multiple organizations at the same time. Um, So that's a commitment. It it doesn't change right now, but moving forward, Mm -hmm. I want to be more intentional about if I'm leading one nonprofit that I need to take a a lower role, just be a board member instead of in a leadership role in one of those organizations. Um, But I think for, for individuals who are in this community, I think having that opportunity to determine what is your North Star? So how do you become involved in organizations or in your work um, that really aligns with that? And then making those decisions of how you want to spend your time. Um, And one thing that I found to be helpful and to work in progress is I live by my calendar. um, And I try at the end of the day to update my calendar so it effectively matches what I did that day. So I can reflect at the end of the week and say, I feel successful with X, Y, Z. But maybe, hey, this week I didn't focus on my family as much or I didn't focus on this nonprofit let me figure out what for next week I'm going to do. And really using that end of the week to reflect, um, to look ahead, um, and to make sure my priorities are in order. Um, so again, I'm, I'm by no means uh, the best person to ask that about. Um, it is definitely, I'm a work in progress, and some weeks and days are better than others. Um, but I hope that's helpful for listeners is to Think about your North Star, to be intentional about your timing, um, and to be willing to reflect and say, hey, I did 
well on this and I didn't do so well on this and next week's a fresh start. Right. Absolutely. Balance. Mm -hmm. It's all about balance, which is hard. It's hard for people that are type A like us, Mm -hmm. but it is uh, attainable. So to end today, we we already had our kind of hard hitting question. It wasn't really hard hitting, but you know, (laughs) I try to have some sort of hard hitting material, I guess. So to end today, I, um, this is a fun perspective that we're going to kind of go into to end our podcast. So have you been on TikTok? Are you on TikTok? Do you watch TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. Okay. So that's okay. Cause I'm, I'm going to cool feel like that, bro. but thank you for thinking I'm, <laughs> I'm cool like that. Cause I'm going to fill you in. So this is a little pop culture, uh, happening right now. So if anybody is listening, this is actually going to be coming out a few weeks from the time when we record it or next week. I can't remember, but regardless, we, uh, are in the middle of sorority recruitment. Okay, and I personally have, I'm involved in more ways than one, maybe more ways than I should be involved. I don't know. But but um, were you a member of Greek Life? I was. I'm a proud okay. Chi Omega from Vanderbilt University. Okay, so, and I'm a Delta Gamma. So, uh, if you have not been on TikTok, then you might not know, but there is a trend going on called Rush Talk, okay? Mm. And Rush Talk started last year with uh People that were PMs, potential new members, for those who don't know, that were going through recruitment at the University of Alabama. So from that, it has blown up and people are now educating themselves, I guess, maybe not the best ways because they're using TikTok, but they're learning more about Greek life. And it is back in full swing now on TikTok. It's recruitment season. Almost recruitment starts this Saturday. Many schools in Mississippi start this weekend. So with that all being said, how do you, uh, as a sorority woman, how do you still promote Greek life in a positive way? Because we're kind of old and washed up when it comes to sorority life, but there's so much negativity that surrounds it. And what people don't realize is it is such a powerful way for women in particular, and of mm-hmm. course young men, but women in particular to gain leadership skills, to meet people from so many different backgrounds of life and areas of the country and the world. So how do you now, as an alumna, mm-hmm. um, support positive Greek life and how do you promote it as somebody who's actually experienced it? I love that question, Brooks. I think I go back to why I joined a sorority to begin with, and that really was at its core about gaining a sisterhood and about gaining a community and a network of relationships. Um, And I think something that I really appreciate, um, our symphony, uh, womanly always, discouraged, never. I mean, there are things about being uh, in my specific sorority that really resonated with me. Um, And I am proud to say I have relationships through that that I wouldn't have had otherwise and you look at the bridesmaids in my wedding and multiple of them were sorority sisters of mine Um, and I just think it's really special Um, I think it's really authentic and one way that I think I share that now is if anyone ever asks me, I'm always proud to share. Um, and I'm also happy to support and to encourage other um, young women to participate in that. Um, and I do think that it's something that it's it's not the be all end all. So I'm not saying you have to be in, in right. Greek life in any capacity, but I think it's an enhancement of the college experience. I think it builds mm-hmm another family, especially if you're someone like myself who I went to a university where I didn't know anyone and I was really craving that community um, and that 
Kayo in particular for me provided that family. Right. And um, this is, you know, more of a fun, lighthearted conversation, but there has been a lot of negative pushback with Greek life really since its inception, Mm -hmm. but particularly in the last few years, as the world is changing, Greek life has been slow to change, but has gotten there now. But I think the overall message is for anybody listening who maybe doesn't know about Greek life or doesn't care, and that there most people probably don't care, except for the ones that are were involved, um, is to try to never take away a safe space for a woman, mm-hmm. which is oftentimes at universities or colleges a sorority or an all female organization. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a Greek organization. Um, but I think that is something really this time of year kind of evokes those emotions for me in particular. But um, for those listening who might not be educated on Greek life or sororities, uh, you know, if you if you have commentary or if you have negative opinions, you know, just take some time to think about it and research mm-hmm. it because those really are some of the safest places for young women to grow and to to have uh, people around them who can support them and who can give them those leadership skills to thrive in this world. I know I would not be where I am or have the skills I have without Delta Gamma. And I'm very proud of that. So for those who maybe don't know about it, you know, educate yourself and, and maybe take some time to appreciate that it provides such a crucial part of life for women who do choose to participate. And Brooke, I'd be remiss if I didn't also say something I value about Greek life is that sororities have a nonprofit organization that they support. And so I think for me, um, I wasn't familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation integrally until I was a member of CAIO, and that's our national um, organization that we support. Um, So I think also having that authentic opportunity to get involved in a nonprofit, to go through the process of, I think all or most sororities have a fundraiser that they mm-hmm. do for that nonprofit. They get connected to the nonprofit. I got to meet multiple wish children and participate in wish granting opportunities. Um, so there's also that core component of how are we giving back and not just I'm giving back now at my university because I'm a part of Greek life. I've continued forward with Make-A-Wish. And I would hope that others, maybe that organization isn't their core, but it gives them a taste of what it looks like to truly support a nonprofit doing great work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can continue wherever they go after college, um, whatever community they live in. Um, I hope that people can find ways to connect and engage and that women in particular have that platform and opportunity. Absolutely. And those places for women are, uh, are, are more often found now than they maybe were years ago, but they are still sacred places. And wherever you are, whatever organization you're a part of, um, male or female, you know, having that respect for women-only spaces, I think, is really important. And it's something that I found in Tupelo, and I think we both probably have found in Tupelo. But Definitely. that is the end of our, our time together. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Thanks, so glad. Brad. I'm so glad that you came and shared all of the wonderful work that you are participating in, in the community and in all of the ways that you are connected to the community. And I think it gives hope to people who maybe are shy to get involved and want to, but don't know how. These are the ways you can get involved. And I'm just so thankful that you decided to join us today. And impart your, uh, not only your wisdom, but your experiences on us. And for those listening, we will catch you in September with our next installment of From Her Point of View. 